Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. It's great to, to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to be with you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my nephew last week. In case you didn't know who that was, he is related to me. And uh, may God help him to be a much better preacher than I am. Um, I think we all get extra credit today for coming to church because of that storm uh, this morning. Thank you for your courage uh, that you showed up in the Lord's mercy to get us here. Um, today I'll be preaching to you from Acts chapter 2, and I will be back uh, the week after Easter, uh, so I'll be here two Sundays this month, and I'm going to preach both times from this one chapter. Um, and so if you uh, care to, you might even be reading it in preparation for uh, a couple of weeks from now. Um, this is one of the great chapters in the Bible. It's an amazing chapter. I, th you know, I was thinking the other day that if this was the only chapter that anybody could find, there was like just this little piece of the Bible and everything else was removed from us, uh, it would be an extraordinary historical document. It would be an amazing story that people would be trying to figure out what is happening here because it begins with Pentecost. It begins with the story of the Holy Spirit coming down upon the disciples and they speak in known tongues. They proclaim the word of God in languages that other people could understand. And it was a miracle. And it ends uh, with a description of the love and the unity of the early church. And in the middle, it has a sermon from the Apostle Peter. And it is one of the most astounding things, especially if you've ever known anything about Peter. If you've read the Gospels and you knew about the way he was, and then you read this sermon and you say, it can't be. This man, something happened to him. And yes, the answer is it did. Uh, it was the Holy Ghost at the beginning of the chapter. And it was, of course, what Jesus had done in his life. So it's an amazing chapter. And uh, I had the great privilege of preaching this chapter one Easter. Uh, right, at, I was in Kuwait uh, during a desert storm. And uh, it was just wonderful to preach this gospel in a Muslim land. And uh, so it's always meant very, very much to me. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter today, but I'm going to begin at verse 16. So I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to read. Holy Father, thank you for letting us come to church today. Thank you for the joy of singing your praise and uh, lifting our prayers to you hearing the word of God read, gathering with the saints. We come to you, Lord, as we've already said, we're sorry for our sins. We're asking you to forgive us, and cleanse us, and make us new. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to come and anoint me to preach the word. I pray, Lord, you'd accomplish your will in each person's life, that you would not let the devil prevent them from hearing the message you want to deliver to their hearts. Please bless this whole congregation and everyone in it 
And I pray even now for the man of God that you are calling to come next, that you, O Lord, would prepare him and that you would help the church to know upon whom you have placed your hand to be the shepherd here. We're asking all of these things, Lord, confident that you hear us and praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. And by the way, I not only uh, welcome, but encourage you to say amen. If I, if I say anything that's true or that you agree with uh, at the appropriate moments, okay? <laughs> Verse 16, chapter 2 of Acts. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. When I was a kid, Saturday morning, cartoons and shows, they were the thing. I mean, all your friends, everybody on Saturday morning had a list of favorite shows that they watched. Now cartoons and kid stuff is ubiquitous with the Cartoon Channel and all this other stuff. I mean, just deluge. But we were able to focus on really good children's programming. And one of them, uh, and I, I especially love Westerns. And I love The Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger... You know, and now I have some Native American friends, and they're not too hot on the depiction of Tonto. Uh, but uh, at the end of the show, and these were half-hour serials, it always ended with this question. Anybody know it? Thank you. All right. Who was that masked man? Because here, I mean, here was a, I mean, he dressed funny. I mean, if you think about it. I mean, he had like a silver suit on with big black boots, and, uh, you know, his horse was called Silver, and, uh, 
and he wore a black mask. And you know, you would think, what is with this guy? You're, you're in public, this is not a party. And, but yet he was always, you know, he, in 30 minutes, you'd have a horrible situation. He'd arrive, he'd save people, he'd, he'd shoot the bad guys, hardly ever kill anybody, but always shoot the guns out of their hands, arrest the bad guys, rescue people, and, you know, and he rides away, high old silver in a way, and people are asking the question, who was this masked man? And we arrive at that kind of question with Jesus. You know, Palm Sunday is a question, where that, who is this guy? Because if you remember the story of Palm Sunday, he enters into Jerusalem. This is, this is what we now commemorate as Holy Week. The moment that the Lord Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, going all the way through his betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion, his burial, and then praise God, next Sunday we celebrate his victory over death. What a week. But as he enters into Jerusalem, the place goes crazy. People are tearing off palm branches from the trees. They're taking their coats off. They're laying them in the ground so a donkey can, can go. And he's so holy in their mind, they don't even want the donkey he's riding on to touch the ground. And they're praising him and they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the rulers, they're watching this happen. They're watching his disciples say it. They're watching the people who have followed him say it. The people of Jerusalem who are looking in expectation for him to come. And they say to Jesus, Rabbi, rebuke your disciples. It's, it's amazing that, that all these people have this. They are basically saying, this is the king. This is the son of David. This is the Messiah. That's who we, we, we acknowledge who you are. And, and, and the Jewish leaders are horrified. They're thinking this is blasphemy. And they're saying, rebuke. Now, so obviously Jesus will straighten his followers out. He makes it worse. He said if they were quiet, the rocks themselves would cry out. Who is this guy? And then we come to this amazing description of what happened to Jesus here in Acts chapter 2. Now, as I begin my sermon, if there's anybody here who's not a Christian yet, let, let me just point out to you very briefly this amazing welcome that the Lord says through, uh, and speaks through his prophet Joel that Peter quotes. Whosoever will call Upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I say that to you, even as, as you begin to hear this sermon, you hear me preach. If you are struggling in your life, the Holy Ghost is touching your heart and, and drawing you to himself. I just want to give you this word of hope. Here's the promise of God. If you call on him, he will save you. That's what this, that's what this Holy Week is all about. God has sent his son to save sinners. Yes! I didn't hear any amens for that one. It's, so obviously you all don't consider yourselves in need of saving. Amen. Mm. Uh, being sarcastic, I know that. So, uh, being a good Presbyterian preacher and plus, I have four points. So, 
Who was this man? My first point is he's Jesus of Nazareth. That's who he is. Do you notice that, that as Peter begins this sermon, he, he, he starts basically with a historic reference. He's saying, this man is real. He comes from someplace. He is a human being. Now, we know in the theology of the Bible, he's more than that, and we'll see that even in this chapter, and even hopefully before this sermon is done. But I want you to understand this because Peter makes it clear. This is a physical man who came from a certain town. He was raised in this place. This is the person I'm talking about, Jesus of Nazareth, historic man. And, and he says this about him. He was accredited or attested by God to you. Now, this, this word accredited, that's, a, that's an important word. When, when I went to Covenant College as a freshman, Covenant College was not accredited when I went. They were in a hope and a search that uh, to the Southern uh, Association of Schools and Colleges that they would get the imprimatur of respectability. They were a young college, they were, and they went to that association and they said, we got good teachers, we got classrooms, we've got organization, we got a good program. Would you tell the whole world that we're a good college? We, wanna, we want our graduates to be accredited so that they could go to graduate school and, and so their degrees will mean something. Amen. So that's... I would like that when I graduate. And while I was there, it happened. They achieved accreditation. They were, from then on, and you know, every five years, the college has to go through that process again, and, and they have to work at it. Oh, it just drives everybody crazy, and they, they, you know, they're just filing all this kind of stuff and proving that they are worthy college. Who accredits you? What, what, what do you have on your resume? I mean, now I, I just want you for a moment, you know, and some of you here are, are distinguished. Some of you here have accomplished much. And all of you are created in the image of God. Hallelujah. You all have the imago Dei. You are all uh, have dignity because God gave it to you. But... He says this about Jesus of Nazareth. This man was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Anybody got that on their resume? Let me be more specific. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me over to uh, the Gospel of Luke. And by the way, Acts was written by Luke. Um, to chapter 7 at verse 18. And, and this is, uh, this will help you get the resume of Jesus. When Peter says, this man was accredited by God to you in your presence. You saw this happen. He says in verse 18 of 7, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John calling two of his disciples to him sent them to the Lord. John the Baptist was in prison. And he said, are you the one who's to come? Or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? 
or shall we look for another? And in that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. Which he had just done. He, he just raised the widow of, of uh, son of Nain. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. You got a, anybody here got a resume like that? The only thing in here I'll bet you any one of you have ever done that's on this list is hopefully preach the gospel to the poor. And unfortunately, many of us have not done that. Wow, who is this man? Jesus of Nazareth, credited by God by doing miracles. And he's speaking to a crowd that knows it's true. They had seen him do it. Could not be denied. My second point. Who was this man? He was the man handed over to you by God. Now, this is an important theological point, and we all need to pay attention to it, because when we think of the crucifixion of Jesus, we can think of it as one of the greatest tragedies that has ever taken place on the planet. Here is God. He sends his only son, becomes a human being, becomes flesh and blood, and he walks among us, and he's come to reveal the Father to us. And what do we do? We kill him. Um, what's that Christmas song we sing? We didn't know who you were. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a lament. It's tragic. God gives his only son to the world, the, 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 the one who could give us life the one who could introduce us to the Father, and we kill him. And if that's the end of the story, we probably wouldn't be here because probably God would have killed us. But here Peter reveals something amazing. And, you know, if any of you struggled with predestination and free will, this is the same issue. God's sovereign will and human responsibility. And here's what Peter says. This was done by the sovereign, predestinating choice of God. It was a certain plan. Jesus didn't die by accident. He came to die. And he said so himself many times. He said, this is, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over to sinful men. They're going to crucify me. But I'm going to come back from the dead. He said, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down on myself. And when I want it back, I take it back. No man ever said something like that and accomplished it. We've had plenty of people say, I'm going I'm to hit a home run. We've had people who say, I'm going to score this many points today. We've had people say, I'm going to climb this mountain. Nobody. No one 
in human history has said, kill me and I'm coming back. And then done it. Peter says this was not an accident. It was God's choice to send him. Please hear in this the mercy of God. Please hear in this declaration the reminder of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, he didn't love the world after Jesus died. Jesus died because God loved the world. It was his plan. God is in control. Nothing could stop it. But, now here's the other side of it. My third point. This man was the one you crucified. So here it was God's plan, but now Peter says, but don't, 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 don't make a mistake. You are responsible for what happened. And that's always the balance. And you say, well, pastor, explain it to us. I can't. This is a total mystery. How could God be sovereign and plan everything and work everything according to the counsel of his own will, and yet you and I be responsible for the choices we make? Nevertheless, whether or not I can explain it to you, baby, that's what you're stuck with. God is in control, and you are responsible for the choices you make. And you know that as you live your life. And now Peter says, and not only are you responsible for the little choices you make, but you are responsible for crucifying the Lord of glory. You did it. You took the most beautiful being in the universe and you tried to extinguish his life. And you didn't just kill him in a nice way. You humiliated him. You spit on him. You crucified him with the help of wicked men. You Jews and you Romans and all of us, in because of our sin, we nailed Christ to the cross. And we are responsible. Oh, horrible, horrible act. Terrible, terrible tale of a betrayal of the Lord of heaven and earth by his own creation. Came to the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But to those that did receive him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Mm, glory. Now my fourth point. And Peter says this. So this one who was accredited by God to you with all these miracles. Folks, there is no mistake of who this man was. Nobody can do the things Jesus did unless God was with him. He didn't accomplish these things through the power of the devil. He didn't raise people from the dead because of some magic trick. Who else has ever been heard of who, who touches lepers and instead of the leprosy coming on them, his virtue heals them? Who ever heard of a man born blind 
receiving his sight. And yet here, Jesus did it. There's no mistake of who he was. You ask, who was that masked man? He's the son of God. You killed him. But it was God's plan. How do we know it's God's plan? And this is how Peter wraps it up. But God raised this very man from the dead. Because it was impossible. I love that. It was impossible for death to hold him. Freeing him from the agony of death. Do you have any idea who you are messing with? Do you have any idea what you've done? You know, when, when Jesus was on trial, you know, if, you, if you're the son of God, save yourself. He said, I could call 10 legions of angels if I wanted to. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down on myself. And when I want it back, hear the ground shake. <laughs> when I want it back, hear the stone move. When I want it back, hear your sins falling from your heart. When I want it back, hear the judgment of God removed from your head. When I want it back, I take it back because it's impossible for death to hold me. In that is our salvation. In that is our justification. God is not angry at you anymore. The day you came to faith, the day you heard Joel's cry, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In that moment, all the victory won at the cross and the victory of the empty tomb was given to you. And this glorious, powerful Lord of heaven and earth has entered into your life. And his, his victory of, over death is sure. So is ours. Praise his name.